I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, we are doing something a little bit different, and I am playing you an episode that is about 10 months old now, which is episode one of the Half Hour Intern Awards. So for those of you that have not heard this episode um, or maybe started listening sometime within the past 10 months or so and never really went back and listened to some of the back catalog, this will be a really great episode for you. And all of the uh, the 2015 Half Hour Intern Awards will be great episodes for you to listen to because they showcase some of like the best and brightest guests from the, uh, from the 2015 year, my first year doing Half Hour Intern. So the reason that I want to play this for you right now, though, is uh, coming up in the final few weeks of 2016, I will be doing three episodes again, awarding various awards to um, interviewees from the 2016 year. So right now in October, I'm going to be taking suggestions from you guys as to what sorts of awards we should be handing out. So in this episode in particular, we gave away some kind of like weird awards. We did best voice. We have best laugh best story and best advice in the episode you're about to hear. So um, rather than me picking out all of the categories, I'd love to get some suggestions from you guys. So either send me an email through my website, there's links to email me on the homepage, or, uh, or just tweet at me and let me know a category that you think we should award here in 2016. And then in November, I will open up voting for uh, for what episode you guys think should win those awards. So uh, anyways, without further ado, here is episode one from the 2015 Half Hour Intern Awards. Now, right before the awards, we put together a little audio montage of some of our favorite intros from throughout the year. So here is the first of the audio montages. One of my bosses had uh, like a year or two before gotten into leatherworking and uh we spent a lot of train rides together going back and forth to dc for work and i just kind of would pick his ear and the more and more i talked to him you were picking his ear oh that's so gross literally picking his ear it was super weird essentially those people are being rude you know you're doing a job you're trying to help people have a good time and these people are essentially coming up and yelling at you drunkenly. And I, if you think of another job that that's acceptable at, it'd be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm officially becoming like the least interesting person in the world because I never have anything <laughs> good to talk about. I'm like, oh, so like the other day on Jake and the Neverland Pirate. It was really bad. It was getting dark. All our phones died. Like we were using the last bit of light that we had on our phones to try to find this, this anchor. We were with this girl. She started crying. People started freaking out a little bit like, oh, shit, we're just going to have to stay on this ledge. Like, we're just going to have to sleep up here. I don't know how we're going to get down safely. I mean, the emails I get are like, I'm having a cat crisis my, or my cat attacks people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had that happen mm-hmm. where people call me. They're like, I'm in the parking lot at the shelter. You're my last hope. What do I do? You know, it's two and a half years of basically expecting absolutely nothing to happen. And then all of a sudden it just explodes and you're like, what? What happened? All right, now on to the awards. The first couple awards are a little bit more goofy, kind of silly awards, but I think that they're still awesome. And this first award in particular 
is uh, was just like a super slam dunk. As soon as we decided to do the awards, I immediately thought that I had to give out an award for this. And there was no question in my mind who won the award. A lot of the other ones, there was a lot of deliberation back and forth between who should get it. This one, there was just absolutely no question whatsoever. So the first award is for best voice. And this goes to the professional dancer, Kian Sagari. So um, Kian was featured in the professional dancer episode. I unfortunately couldn't find too long of a clip where I kept my freaking mouth shut for. So unfortunately, I get in the way of Kian's beautiful voice during this clip. Um, but regardless, you will get to hear the sultry tones of Kian's amazing voice. Here is the winner for best voice, Kian Sagari. I think... Everyone's a dancer, whether or not you want Amen to admit to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whether or not you want to admit it or whether or not you think that you actually can, we all are dancers, starting off with getting out of the bed, brushing your teeth, washing your hair. Those are all movements that we repeat and we do almost every day. And any form of movement to me is dancing. Yeah. If whether, you just if you were to flip on some music, that's exactly what it would look like. Yeah, totally. So um I think also genuine movement, just coming from hearing a good song and even if it's shaking your butt a little bit or shaking your shoulders, you yeah. know, that's that's dance. Totally. That's unfiltered that you're not thinking about a lot. Yeah. Something that I was thinking about earlier today as well is that, it, so they say that uh, love is like the universal language. I feel like dancing is like the other universal language, you know, like I could go to Brazil right now, have no idea how to speak the language and start dancing with somebody and have a great time immediately, you know, and all of a sudden you'll make a friend that you didn't even speak a word to. Yeah. I mean, a good example of that would be, I went to Mexico after I graduated from school for two weeks. Um, I was there just to dance. I went to a dance school and I speak a little bit of Spanish, but not enough to really communicate and understand someone. But because we were dancing the whole time, because all day I was taking dance classes, I didn't really need to talk to anyone because through my movement and through the technique and basic understanding of dance, I was able to communicate with. Man, so good. I could seriously listen to Keon just read the dictionary or something like that. Her voice is so soothing and comforting and amazing. Um, On to the second of the four awards that we'll be giving out today. The second award is for Best Laugh, and it goes to Tim Wilhite of the Salsapreneur episode. Uh, I I had to... Tim had a work meeting the morning that we were supposed to be doing the interview, and he also lived in a different time zone than me. So I had to wake up at, I want to say, 4 or 4.30 in the morning to be able to uh, jump on the interview with Tim. So I was a little bit dazed and confused, and you can even hear it in my voice, uh, just kind of how early in the morning and off my usual schedule I was. But Tim was like the perfect guest to have in that scenario. He's so vibrant so full of life, so funny, and he just has this totally contagious laugh, and he laughs throughout the entire episode. So uh, here's a little montage of all of Tim's awesome laughing. And they just decide to give you millions of dollars to make yourself. Is that how it happened? Gosh, I tell you, that's exactly what I thought too, Blake. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, how come nobody doesn't know who I am and walk up here and go, Tim, I'm Jim Jones from Tostitos, and we want your salsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's almost like if you don't love salsa, you're un-American, yeah. even though it's Mexican. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's true. 
And I said, sure, come on over to my house. I make it here in my kitchen. Oh, my and God. Said, whoa, whoa, stop everything. You can't do that. <laughs> it I must know. be hard to just get bored <laughs> from winning so, so much. Arrogant. <laughs> So uh, after a while, you know, the people at the hospital, my friends are like, oh, man, you got to sell this. I mean, isn't that what everybody tells somebody that makes something good? Yeah, like, no doubt. Dude, you got to sell this, man. You can get rich. But that's not the case. I'm still working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Especially when you see things like xanthan gum or sodium benzoate. And you're like, what the hell? I just want tomatoes and chili. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm just trying to get some salsa. <laughs> uh -uh. Man, I love that guy. I love his laugh. And I'm so happy that something like laughing is contagious and it's not just left for things like yawning and herpes and terrible things like that. Um, on to the third award, which is best stories. So this is it's one single award, I guess, best story. But uh, this person told two absolutely amazing stories during his interview. So this goes to Tyler Hilton during the actor slash musician episode. Um, and both the story for how he became a professional actor and the story of how he broke as a professional musician are two of the most unbelievably miraculous stories I've ever heard in my entire life. They're funny. They're awesome. It's it just completely irrepeatable. Like nobody else could ever do what, what Tyler did to get into those industries. Um, so without further ado, here is best story. I'm hoping that Wikipedia is not letting me down because according to a Wikipedia article, your history of how you got into music was like, or how you actually got into the music industry is the funniest, most awesome, crazy story I've ever heard. Is this true about Mark and Brian and stuff? Oh, yes, dude, straight up. Okay, like, please tell this story for everyone then. This is amazing. It's literally like uh, one of those like random Cinderella stories where you're just like, no way... Yeah, like I, I was calling into this radio station to win tickets to a Johnny Lang concert, and I was 15. And um, to like win tickets to this concert, I sang a Johnny Lang song on the air with my guitar. Because I like played these coffee house open mics, and I would learn like different songs, like Johnny Lang songs. So it was like, so um, they gave me, the, I won the tickets, and then they like, you know, liked my voice, and they're like, you know, you, I would love to hear some more songs, and they, like had me come on the show. and um, you know, they had me call back and play some more songs just into my phone. Then they're like, why don't you drive into LA and like come on the show live? And then they were like, why don't you play at our Christmas show? And then they just started like taking me to different cities that they, you know, were, oh man, it was, they would do different, like, uh, you know, interviews because they were one of those shows that were just broadcast around the nation, you know, yeah. so they had different kind of like sister cities. And yeah, Mark and Brian were huge back then. Oh, they yeah. were so big. Yeah, yeah. So, so some people don't know who they are, but if you know who they are, it's like, you know, they, they really had like a huge reach. So it was pretty wild that I even got on the air to try to even like talk to them because I was a huge fan of them in high school. Like I listened to them all the time. But then when I started, you know, hanging, you know, and they were helping me out, it was it was wild. It was really, really strange. And so what happened on that first phone call? Like, like did they they obviously like clap for you and said you're doing a really good job? It, what then some producer of the show like grabbed the phone and said, hey, could you actually stay on the phone for a little bit? We want you to play some more for us or what? Like what all went down kind of behind the scenes? Uh, it literally went down on the air. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it, it, my dad actually had it all recorded because at the time it was like such a huge deal, you know, for us. Cause we'd all listened to the show and I was just playing coffee houses and I was a freshman in high school. So like, this was such a random thing, you know, and think about also, this was like, we're talking like the year 2000, you know what I mean? Like 15 years ago, 
Um, or even, I think it was even 1999, bro. So there, there wasn't even like the voice or like American Idol or none of this shit. It was like, this, <laughs> yeah. I was just like playing in open mics was like the best I could do. And then all of a sudden, like I'm on Mark and Brian, it was like, well, and they just said like on the air, they were like, can you play another song? Oh, so I was going to say my parents recorded it cause it was all such a big deal. And you could hear on the recordings, they're just like, can you play another song? Great. Well, after the concert tomorrow night, can you call us back and play another song? And then I'd get off the phone and they'd be like, um, they, they would just invite me on the air. They said, would you mind coming up to LA or whatever? And then, yeah. And they, okay, cool. We're gonna have our producers talk to you. Like all the ideas just happened on the air. So I was thinking like, this is happening so quickly. And then you would and play live in the studio there. Dude, but that's not even the craziest part. Do you want to hear the craziest part of the whole I story? would love to. Literally, okay. This is, this is the wildest thing ever that happened on that show. So I'm like in one of my studio appearances on their show. And I'm like 16 years old at this point. And they're like, do you have any like new songs that you've written? And I was like, yeah, I actually just wrote this song. And I wrote it about this girl that I saw. And she worked at a Southwest Airlines ticket counter in Seattle. And I was just on a family vacation up there. And I just saw her and I thought she was so beautiful. She must have been like way older than me, like 26. I thought she was so beautiful. I wrote a song about her on the plane. And I, um, you know, and so they're like, oh, that's such a cool story. So I played them the song on the air. This is all on the air, by the way. So after I get done with playing the song, they go, is that story true about the girl? on a southwest airlines i'm like totally they're like you know what would be cool and this is all happening on air like what if we try to track her down and try to see if you can play that song with her and i'm like this is the greatest thing i've ever heard dude i was like guys no i don't even know her name like i literally this is just a girl that i saw in an airport i just know she works at the southwest ticket counter in seattle dude can i swear on this show or yeah of course yeah okay cool i just wanted to know but i was like dude i kid you not they tracked this girl down i was shitting my pants dude i'm 16 years old like covered (laughs) have not even like i don't know maybe made out with a girl you know it's just like and they find this girl who's like a grown woman like a a full grown ass beautiful woman you know yeah she's like they get her on the phone bro and i sing this song to her live on the air and they track her down and now i'm like talking to her on the air in front of like the people and they're like mark and brian are like yo so this is tyler he wrote the song about you he's 16 years old so then that happens then it gets crazier they have me play their christmas show this is like months later yeah i start playing this song on stage at the wiltering theater thousands of people right they stop the song in the middle and i'm dying like what's going on they're like before you play any farther we have a surprise for you they fucking flew this girl down from Seattle. <laughs> I never met her in my entire life, bro. Never met her. I just saw her and wrote the song about her. She must be like thinking, what the, what the fuck is happening right now? They brought her on stage and I'm playing this strange woman that is beautiful, you know, this song I wrote about her and I'm a sophomore in high school on stage at the Wiltern Theater, all on the air. It's that like, must have been the most terrifying, terrible. horrible experience ever. Dude, I had a couple like, experiences like that early on in my performing career that definitely like gave me a thick skin real quick because that's like you know you talk about getting up in front of your class and being embarrassed like that's crazy oh yeah for sure that was dying you know i was dying that would be so much yeah i can't imagine i mean yeah every high school student has um you know, like nightmares about showing up in class and all of a sudden you're just in your underwear or whatever it is. That is like that times a thousand. I mean, you are on in on this large stage in front of all these people that you don't know at all, you know? No, and, and it's like, 
you see somebody and you write a song about them, you're like, I'll never see you again or whatever. You know, it's just like one of those, like, oh, I saw you on the subway and whatever, like a missed opportunity or missed, you know, missed connection in the newspaper. This girl, like I actually saw again. And then this whole thing, then I like actually got to know her and stuff, which was so kind of awkward because our whole relationship is like built on the premise that I saw her in an airport and wrote a song about her. And, and then got manufactured by this radio station. <laughs> yeah. Just wa- So anyway, that was... That's the whole kind of like – so by, after all that died down, you know, now I had like all of a sudden like a fan base. Do you know what I'm saying? Because these people would listen to my songs on the radio. And so I'd gone from open mics and coffeehouse shows to like, you know, a decent but very small but definitely like a decent nationwide fan base. It was really interesting. That's incredible. And, and what a way to get a fan base too with that story with the, uh, the Southwest attendant because – I imagine through that whole experience and people that heard that kind of stuff going on on the radio, they feel so endeared to you, you know, like, oh, who's this cute high school kid that writes this song for this girl and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So immediately you um, you have this connection with your fans that someone just dropping an album wouldn't really have, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, you can imagine, like I can imagine now at my age, I'm about to be 32 on Sunday and I was 15 at the time. Like I, you know, if I'm, if I had heard that on the radio, a 15 year old kid, I would be like, this is so cool. And then it was also a cool way to start my relationship with my fans because every fan that I met in the beginning, like knew me intimately, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, like knew so many, knew my dad because he was always on the radio show too, because he had driven me up to LA and like <laughs> yeah. ended up being my manager and like traveling around with me. It was like, you know, they just knew so much about our family system. It was like, I mean, in a really, really small scale way, it was like being on a reality show, but just in a very small universe of Mark and Brian fans. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally, man. Well, yeah. if, if this, if, if reality TV was a bigger thing, that would have probably become a reality show, you know, yeah. like somebody probably would have approached you while all that was going down. If, if that was a thing back then. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, I assume since that was such an important like thing in your life, do you still remember some of the lyrics of that song by any chance? Like, what did you say about this yeah, woman? You can, you can. Um. So then, after that, w- this all went down, I put out a record. Um. Actually, in two thousand, maybe or two thousand one or something, and um, with all these songs on it, and that's the record. Like they played on KLOS, and Mark and Brian played it, and stuff like that. And it was just like for the Mark and Brian fans, but it's on iTunes, and the song's called "Not Getting Your Name." Okay, uh, literally, it's called "Not Getting Your Name." <laughs> It's just that you're so beautiful, but I didn't get your name. <laughs> at least, at least it's respectful, you know. Yeah. Like, thank God it wasn't some like horrible song title. Like, I know, like, like bitch, I was checking out your ass. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> the flyest bitch at the airline. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, she. Uh, but yeah, so it's on. It, I think the record's just Tyler Hilton, and the cover is just like my 15 year old face really big so uh but anyway that that's where that song is that's cool man i'm gonna download that and just play that on repeat all the time so funny so let's switch over to acting for just a little bit so uh now let's parallel this with your your first acting deal and and how did this come about were you really trying to get into acting or was this an equally bizarre series of events that led led you to your first acting gig it's equally bizarre series of events we're not equally as a as uh, Mark and Brian, but pretty strange. So like my whole like hobby has always been like acting. Like I really, really love it. Like not in a, I mean, whatever, it'd be great to like be in like action movies, but like, I've just always loved being in theater. I was always in theater as like a kid, children's theater. And in high school, I was really involved, even though I was kind of doing the music thing, I was really into the acting side of things. So there was going to be this like Shakespeare competition in New York and 
um, my school entered and I like coached for it. And anyway, I like won the California division and I got to like fly to New York to like be in this Shakespeare thing. So it was like my senior year of high school. So at this point, like I'd already have my manager that I met at that studio. Um, her name was Victoria Blake and she hooked me up with, um, she was trying to get me an agent for my music to try to get me like gigs and stuff. And so one of the agents she wanted me to meet was in New York. And, uh, it was this guy from William Morris. And, uh, she was like, well, Tyler's going to be there doing this like Shakespeare competition thing or whatever. And so this agent came to this Shakespeare finals that I did in New York and to meet me for music and then saw that I was an actor too. And was like, well, this is great. This like really helps. It makes it easier to sign if he does both. So they kind of signed me for both. And, um, and so by the time I was like 18, I didn't have a record deal yet, but I had this like agency that was like ready to start kind of like, you know, sending me out on auditions. But Pitching I was kind of like, no, I'm only doing like acting. I mean, music, I'm not doing any acting professionally. Like I'm a musician. Acting is just for fun. Um, and so it was, it was a while until they sent me out. I could even let them send me out on just musical auditions until finally they sent me out to be an extra in walk the line just to play music in the background. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. And they're like, a lot of musicians in LA are call, are going in. It's just to kind of be in the background band. All you have to do is sing like a Johnny Cash song and they'll, you know, see if you're the right look for the movie. So I was like, cool, that, that sounds like fun and kind of in line with my music. So I went, I sang a Johnny Cash song and they were like, do you know any Elvis songs? And I was like, Elvis was my favorite from the time I was a kid, like the one and only Elvis. I was obsessed with him. So I was like, I know all of the Elvis songs. <laughs> Played them like as many Elvis songs as they wanted to hear. And then they were like, uh, well, cool. And then they called me back. They're like, you know, they want you to read some lines as one of the characters they want you to read for Elvis. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. So now I'm like reading. Oh lines my God. And, and then, uh, and so then I got the part. And then uh, I was just telling someone this story the other day. It's so weird. I haven't even thought about this in so long. So then they like, they, my agent called me. They're like, yo, so. They want you to, you know, play this part in this movie if you're into doing it. And I was like, you got to tell them no, because here's the deal. Elvis is too important to me to fuck up. And I'm not an actor. And I feel like I've gotten this far because, you know, I've like done acting before. But like, I'm a musician. Like, they want an actor for this. So I told them, like, I don't think this is going to work out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. And all my agents were really bummed. Oh, my God. I bet they must have been losing it. They were like, they, were, they couldn't believe it. And I was like, n- like 19 or something. And so I, I don't know. I just thought like this stuff happened all the time. And then so then I, I kind of said no or whatever. And then like, I shit you not, dude. I'm in a hotel lobby bar and i don't know why but i i see joaquin phoenix across the bar my friend's like oh dude there's that guy that's going to be in your movie you know because think about before walk the line it wasn't like he was the biggest star ever you know he was just like you know that guy joaquin phoenix so i was like oh yeah so i went up to him and i was like dude i don't know why i went up to him either it's like such a like now i wouldn't have done that but at the time i was like hey man i just want you to know i tried out for the movie and it's so cool and i was talking to them about playing elvis i don't know if it's gonna work out but like you know i think it's such a cool movie and like nice to meet you and he was like dude you're tyler hilton i saw your audition tape for elvis you gotta do it and i was no like, oh, way yes and i was like what, what do you mean? He's like, here's the thing. It's something like they were like, watch. I don't know what the deal is. They were watch something, but he told me, he's like, look, I know you're like nervous about doing it, but it, I promise it's going to be one of those things where there's going to be like a lot of uncomfortability or something like that. He said, and I told him, I said, I'm not an actor. He was like, yeah, but they're just casting musicians for these other cameos. So none of the guys have acted. And he, and he told me, he's like, plus Reese and I um, don't sing or anything. Like, so he's like, and so we're kind of like learning that. So it's going to be like one of those vibes where everyone's kind of out of their element. And I look back now and I think like, so cool, A, that he like took the time to like say that, like yes. life made, you know what I'm saying? But like after that, I walked in and I was like, holy shit, I think I'm totally going to do this. This sounds so fun. Um, 
And so I, and so I did it. And that's, that's the first acting thing I ever did was like walk the line. Cause I ran into this dude. And so strange. yeah, not just in the, not just in the movie as a background person, like you were supposed to, but playing like someone that you idolized, that's gotta yeah. be bonkers to actually like personify someone that was an idol of yours. Yeah. And not, and honestly, like, not that like, my like career isn't like full of like random stories like this where all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute here. There's just like a couple of super random ones. And those two, like how the two catalysts and like both my acting, and my music were so strange. Do you know what I'm saying? That like, really, if like, if I hadn't been in certain places at certain times, which I guess they always say, you know, but like, it really was just random and just luck that like both those things, you know, it was like crazy. All right, on to the final award for the day, which is for best advice. This was probably the hardest award to decide because it's a question that I ask everyone at the end of their interview is what advice they would give to someone looking to get started doing what they're doing. And there's just such a wide range of advice that people give, and I, which I love. Some people give very specific advice to what they're doing. Other people give kind of more general advice, which is just you know, kind of go get them type stuff, which is which is equally great to hear. Um, and both can be just so, so insightful. So this one actually ended in a tie, a toss up between two people. So one of them is going to be Jeff of the Peace Corps episode. And then one of them is going to be Josh from the Bar Owner episode. So in the, the first, we'll play the Peace Corps episode with Jeff. And in it, Jeff gives really amazing, very specific, practical advice for someone looking to do something like joining the Peace Corps or doing some sort of aid abroad or something like that. Um, The second piece of advice from Josh, the award-winning bar owner, is kind of more along the lines of just generalized advice for any sort of entrepreneur. And it is great. It's, It's just very poignant, good advice. So without further ado, here is the best advice award. Um, my main takeaway, and this is what I tell people when they're like, I'm considering applying. And this is based off of my own experience. I would do it again, but I wouldn't do it twice. I absolutely love like my Like you're experience. not going to go back <laughs> and do I it again. I wouldn't double but up on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I put my time in. And in fact, like it's tough. Like you think of this like dream experience of living like at levels of poverty, like poverty fucking sucks. I had a bed that like destroyed my back. I got extremely ill. I lost and gained weight randomly. Um, but through that you persevere and you learn a lot about your own character and, you know, and you build these friendships that are just like, like I could go back in 10, 20, 30 years and I guarantee Zechariah and Abdul Wahed will be stoked to see me. Like, I absolutely know that those guys will be there. And that, I mean, that's the stuff you get out of it. But when you go into Peace Corps thinking that you're going to provide essential resources like Peace Corps once did, you're not going to build a bridge. You're not an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to be realistic right? so, with yourself. What sorts of things... Ab- what sorts of things do you have you I assume learned about now after the fact that would have maybe been good test runs while here at home like I imagine this probably shaped the way you are in terms of volunteering and stuff like that and I I like I I've I always had this stance on like let's say a family wants to have kids 
Like, I feel like you should only be allowed to have kids or you should only have kids if you are 100% willing that if tomorrow you find out that you cannot have kids, like they're not going to look like you, they're not going to act like you, you would want to adopt immediately because what you want to do is raise a kid. Like that's the thing that you want. You don't want to, it's not the benefit of having a human that acts like you. And I like for the Peace Corps, it's like, like you said, I think that there might be a little bit of this, um, fantasy of like oh i'm gonna be in this third world country doing these things like i'm gonna be sitting on my my little bed in the jungle reading thoreau at night like to myself and not like you said like throwing up along the side of my bed you know with my back aching it like I, I guess I uh, the obvious ones are like just volunteer a whole bunch here at home. There's plenty of people that need help here at home. Um, but what specific things, I guess, uh, like a checklist, could someone try to know that they would probably do well? This, this is an interesting question. I've been kind of thinking about what I would say um, this whole time. I'm not quite sure how to approach it. But I, what I think which is kind of the thesis of my argument is that Peace Corps is about relationship building and not necessarily development. Um, go like leave the city in which you've been raised or in, in which you're most familiar and go to a completely random city. And for one day, just like try to talk to people and make friends. That's it's a super really awkward. good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's awkward. Right. But that's what you're going to face in your communities. Like they're like, why are you here? Like they don't, they don't, you don't have a Peace Corps stamp. They don't even know what Peace Corps is half the time. So you have to engage and that can be both like, like it can really deflate you if it, if it doesn't go well for a few days or a few weeks. Um, but it could also really over time. And I think that that's what it's about. You will build on those things. But if you go, you know, walk into a bar in a city that's not yours, in a culture that's not yours, and try to make some friends. That would be an interesting test. Don't hold the nickel so close that you miss the quarter behind it. And that was something that we really employed throughout our entire practice early on of engaging with clients and potential clients. Explain that saying to me. I want to make sure I'm understanding that correctly. It means that if you're looking at the short, quick money, you may miss the long, big money in the future. Okay. And we really tried to build all of our business and our, and our, and our opportunities on relationships with people. And so I think that it's really important that people look at every single opportunity as a unique opportunity and not have hard lines about what it is that they do and what it is that they don't do and to really feel it out and feel out who the people are. I mean, that thing that you would do for free for one person may be, you know, like a million dollars for somebody else, you know, to do it. It's, you know, but they're the right people with the right thing and maybe they have the right connections and, and who knows down the road what that could turn into in a long-term relationship. Sort of what I talked about with absolute. It's like, Hey, we did one event for sort of less than we quoted them. And it turned into this thing where we have this amazing long-term relationship with, with them now that is, you know, real people that, you know, call each other on the phone and talk about things, you know, in a, in a very personal way and not like a super corporate way. And so I think that it's really important that people are able to look at the opportunities that they're in front of them 
and continue to try and put themselves out there in a way that it's more than just the money. And that's really hard when you're a small business owner and you're trying to build a small business because at the end of the day, it, you know, you need to make the money to yeah. keep on going. <laughs> but we, you know, don't be afraid to continue to try and grow your small business and continue to work in a job that is maybe the job that you had before you started or something else that's going to help pay the bills. And if you're committed to being able to put in those long hours and to being tired, you know, then you are paying the right sort of attention to the appropriate growth and growth model of your company because you are not doing it from a solely financially driven place. Yeah, for um, sure. You're obviously relieving some of the financial pressure for yourself personally until you get your company to the point where it's like, oh, like this pays me a salary or this pays both of us a salary. Yeah. yeah. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed the walk down memory lane. I hope you enjoyed the sultry tones of Keon Sigari's voice. I hope you enjoyed the sagacious advice of Jeff Palmer and Josh Harris there at the end. Again, just uh, send me an email through the website or tweet at me letting me know what sorts of categories you would like to propose we give awards to this year. Either go to halfhourintern.com and there's a link in the bottom right there to email me or uh, tweet at me at halfhourintern with your suggestions. Suggestions. Coming up on Thursday, I'll be getting back to a normal episode schedule here for you guys. And I have a great interview for you with PJ Jonas, who is a goat milk farmer. Uh, well, I guess a goat farmer would be the proper way to put it. But she and her husband created a business where they make all kinds of stuff with goat milk. Like, honestly, almost anything you could think of. We talk all about it. And it's so amazing what she has done. Her and her husband raised their eight children on this farm and they have homeschooled their children and all of their children are employees of this company and uh it's honestly like the most wonderful great business and great family in the world i just can't wait for you guys to hear about it so that'll be coming up on thursday thanks so much for listening you guys